21CL Radio. You're listening to the Run Your Life podcast with host Andy Vassar. Hello, everybody. Welcome to my Run Your Life podcast series. I wanted to do a brief introduction into today's episode with my good friend and guest, Denise Rosetto. A little bit of backstory about Denise first, though. Uh, I've known Denise for about 20 years, almost 20 years now. Uh, She's a very good friend of my wife's, uh, Neela Steele. Uh, Neela and Denise went to high school together many moons ago in Toronto. Uh, So I've come to really know Denise over the years. Uh, I've gotten to know her husband, Peter, and uh, their two twin boys, Dante and Jude, beautiful boys, seven years old. Uh, it was actually this summer that Neela, myself, and our two boys, Eli and Ty, spent some time with them at their house in Toronto. I had asked Denise to be on my show, uh, so we knew that we were going to record, so we decided to record live from her living room uh, when we were visiting them in Toronto. Uh, the reason why I asked Denise to be on my show is that I find her work fascinating. Um, For Denise to produce her best work possible, she must continually tap into uh, her levels of of creativity and innovation. So she she has a very creative mind, a very innovative mind. And those themes of creativity and innovation uh, continually fascinate me, especially in the work that I do in education. I think that being our very best as educators is directly dependent upon continually tapping into our own levels of creativity and innovation to produce our best work possible. And when we produce our best work possible, uh, not only are we at our best, but we're also uh, positively impacting student learning because ultimately that's what teaching is about, being our best for the students. Um, So again, I'm always fascinated with, with sharing stories Uh, personal and professional stories of highly creative, innovative, and successful people and and really deconstructing how they find success and what makes them successful and really uh, identifying those defining factors that leads them to produce their best work possible. Denise exemplifies this within her field. And I'm just going to kind of summarize a little bit about her work, but she recently joined the BBDO team um, in in Toronto uh, as Executive Creative Director. Um, Denise has consistently been named one of the top 10 copywriters in Canada um, and has won several awards uh, through her work. She now enjoys the distinction of being one of Canada's top 10 creative directors and uh, sits on the Cannes. Uh, she's a judge for the Cannes uh, Festival in marketing and advertising, so she's uh, gone to several of those events. Uh, she's won a number of awards in her field, and uh, most recently she sits uh, as a moderator uh, for women of influence discussing uh, women's issues in, in advertising. So um, she's highly known in her field. And again, a lot of what she does is dependent upon continually staying inspired and, and motivated and uh, really doing her best to, to continually tap into uh, her own levels of creativity and innovation to produce her best work possible. Um, just a little bit of a, I don't want to say a warning, but just want to let my listeners know that when we were recording live, it was just a conversation between two good friends chatting over wine. Uh, it was a great discussion, but there were a few interruptions in the background, such as two uh, seven-year-old twin boys running in, in and out of the house to get water and and uh, asking uh, her, their mother and father for things. So you can hear them in the background. You can hear my boys 
So there's a few interruptions, but please uh, forgive those interruptions. And uh, I really hope you find takeaway value uh, in our discussion, despite those interruptions. I, I, I think that you will. Uh, it was a great discussion. So without further ado, my interview with Denise Rosetto. Thanks for listening. Hello, everybody. Welcome to my Run Your Life podcast series. Um, we have been, Neil and I, when I say we, I mean Neil and I, we've been back in Toronto for a few weeks now, and I've been meaning to get my good friend and Neela's good friend, actually Neela's good friend for many, many years, uh, on the podcast because she's got an amazing kind of journey. Um, so I'm just going to introduce uh, Denise and you'll learn everything about Denise as the podcast goes on. But Denise Rosetto will just introduce herself right now. Um, thank you, Andy. I'm Denise Rosetto. I'm the executive creative director at BBDO, which is a, an advertising agency that's um, a global network. So there's a BBDO probably everywhere, everybody who's listening lives. And um, it's interesting because I never thought I would get into advertising because I never even knew it existed as a career. So we all went to school and everybody thought, oh, lawyer, doctor, teacher. But nobody told us that there was actually a, a job in advertising. So I went to school and, I, and Mad Men didn't exist then. So we didn't know about Don Draper. Which are, in the, you know, they're in yeah. their seventh episode or in seventh they're, season. They're, they're done. done. They're Andy, done. I'm not going to tell you the yeah. ending. They're done. Yeah. So um, I went to school for political science because that's pretty much what my whole family did. At Guelph. So, at Guelph. So I thought, oh, that's what I'm supposed to do is take political science. And when I finished, um, I really didn't know what to do with myself. And interestingly enough, it's, it's, it's kind of something about being true to yourself. My mom found this article in the newspaper which was um, a Humber College writing course for advertising and she said you know what you've graduated you've been you've been home a year you're not doing anything <laughs> you're yeah. gonna live here forever and she said why don't you try this course and it's really interesting Andy when you find a course so I took it it was the Humber Humber copywriting course advertising and in, copywriting, Toronto. in Toronto yeah. and I don't know if you ever come across one of those courses where you're like a week into into it, you're like, yes. I found what I, found I want it. to do. I want yeah. to do this. This is what I think I can do because I always knew I wanted to write, but no one ever told me you can make a job out of writing. If, unless you're a journalist or you have to make a novel, I couldn't think of another job you could do. So it was a one-year intensive course, and I had my vision on who I wanted to work for, which was Judy John. I wanted to work at Taxi Advertising, and I wanted to get my portfolio together. Everything clicked. Yeah. Like I had the vision, the North Star now. Yeah. Before that, I never had my North Star. Yeah. I didn't know what I wanted to do. It's kind of like, ah. Oh. So that was, let's just, a yeah. point of context. Yeah. So, so this is going back to 90... So I would have graduated university and, oh my God, Andy. Maybe 94, 95, or 90s. Yeah, it was in the 90s, early yeah. 90s. I don't know the exact time period. Yeah. So... That puts it into context, and, and then you found this course, because this podcast is all about kind of striving for personal yeah. and professional yes. excellence, yeah. and our pursuit of excellence, Yes, and it's about finding that pivot point. Oh, yes, that was that, a pivot point. Yeah, that, that makes you realize what you want to do, so continue on so, with that. I think what's so interesting about what you talk about, Andy, is that pivot point. All my life, I was sort of going along, doing what people told me to do. Oh, you, you go to high school and you're going to take political science and maybe you'll be a lawyer. And But deep down I knew that the only thing I really enjoyed doing was writing. And then when I took that course, that was the pivot point because then I went, oh my God, I love this. Like I love writing um, and coming up with concepts. And, um, and it was interesting. And Andy, I showed you this spot earlier. Um, I showed you this spot earlier. When I was in university, I saw a spot by Nike, which was called If You Let Me Play. So that advertisement, which yes. I'll put in the show notes. I always call spot. Sorry, it's I'm pleasure. actually going to... So what I'm going to do here, as Denise goes in to yeah. explain what this is, I'm going to insert an audio clip okay. after you explain this, okay. which is, I can do very easily. So 
I, this is what I love is where people find their initial inspiration. Yes. So this was it. And let's frame it again. So it's about 1994, 1995. Yeah. yeah. And you showed the video to me earlier, but it And it's was, not dated, right? Like, yeah. it feels like it's... It's still very relevant, so yeah. go ahead and... So, in high school, I remember pinning, because there was a print ad that went with it, and there was a television commercial that was about little girls who, if you allowed them to participate in sport, um, they would then become stronger and more confident. They wouldn't be abused. They would... Um, it just showed you all the things that sport can do. Decrease mental illness. Do, yeah. And it was fascinating to me because no advertising. I mean, before that it was like uh, jingles and nothing had come through. I never was interested in advertising. And then I thought, wow, Nike has done something so powerful here. I pinned it to my, I pinned the print ad to my wall in my dorm room. And I always remembered the commercial, but I never thought I could do that. For yeah. some reason, I thought it was only Americans. Yeah. I think that that's the society we grew up in, right? They do it. Because we were American, uh, yeah. what do they call it, Americanized or Americanized Canadians. Yes, we right? thought on they the did all of it. They yeah. did Happy Days, yeah. they did Love Boat. Yeah. So I didn't think I could ever do that, but I loved it. And then when I went to school for it, I realized, no, we can do that. Like we can do that advertising and we can make a real positive impact aside from selling things on people's lives and that was a pivot point for me is I fell back in love with writing and what's funny is when you fall in love with something I don't know if you find this Andy um, your energy level do you find that where it's like you're never exhausted Just, I was doing my portfolio yeah so I had to put together a portfolio everyone told me it was very difficult it's a very competitive field you don't get hired so you you become this is before internet before internet yeah so you become tireless. Yeah. You're putting your, together your portfolio and normally, you know, you go out, you party with friends, you go home, you go to bed, or you study because you're told to study. Yeah. No one had to tell me to study anymore. Yeah. No one had to tell me to like, you have a Be excited do. about what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, I didn't care. I it was tireless. Yeah. It was almost like an adrenaline rush or like, um, I'm like, I need to solve this. I need to figure out how to do this. Like a Rubik's Cube yeah. or a crossword puzzle. You're yeah. going to do this. I just, I love that sense of energy when you become really passionate about something. And you can sense in yourself when you don't have that passion for, for something. It's almost sad, right? Because you're yeah. like, I'm not that interested. Yeah. So when you, were, when you found what it is you were interested in, mm -hmm. you still continued on this path at Guelph University? Yeah. No, I was done now. I went so to Humber. Done. Yeah, yeah, I'm done. So you're at Humber. Yeah, I'm at Humber. And you're doing your, your writing thing, now. Yeah. And you found it. Yes, your, I found, found it. it. Yeah. Found it. So how did you kind of dig deeper with, with that in terms of finding Andy at first I saw you're really interested. In? Like I I was really not good at it. So you saw some of the kids in the class who were naturally good at how it. How do you define not good? Is it a personal thing or is it this mm, pressure you put on yourself? It's with? personal but other people also know you're not good. <laughs> So you have other people evaluating you. Yeah, you're just not one of the stars in the class. You're not noticed for being the star in the class. You're not fully getting it. Um, so you're having to write these these detailed these ads. ads. You're, you're asked to write commercials and you're asked to write con. It's always concepts in advertising. Like, what's the idea? What's the idea? And I could tell I wasn't good. And I could tell there were other people that were good. And I could tell um, that they were getting it faster than I was. But yeah. it just drove me crazy but in a good way like I wanted to do it more so what put pressure on you to understand what good was nothing put pressure on me except I wanted to get it and you know what to this day I've been doing it for 20 years I still want to know we were just looking at that Paralympics ad and I'm like that's the best ad this year yeah. how do they do it like it's just a constant never stopping which, feeling not good enough. Isn't that terrible? With, Never feeling not good enough. Which changes with the times as well. Yeah, right? changes with times culturally because back when I started it might be, well, if you let me play is timeless, that spot we're just talking about, but advertising changes. Like right now there's a real need for authenticity and telling the truth. And um, before it used to be twists or comedy, but you, you, if you stop and I, even tell this to the people who work for me, if you stop learning, you're done. Like if you're not Absolutely. interested anymore and you're not curious yeah. anymore, you know what? You're 
kind of done. And that's Isn't that's that what that's what I try to. And so this podcast, if I go back to the audience listening to this, this podcast is kind of really all about tapping into personal yeah. excellence. Yes. And as Tony Robbins says, mm. and I've referenced we Tony, Tony Robbins many Chinese. times, yeah. is that idea of um, the inner greatness, or yeah. you know, the, the books he's written and the speeches he gives and the presentation yeah. he, he gives. But it's all about tapping into that inner greatness and and that idea of what I challenge teachers with is the minute that it becomes a paycheck or it becomes like mm. my next holiday is Christmas and I have two weeks off or eight weeks off yeah. at Christmas or summer, yeah. then the learning truly does stop and, and there's nothing mm. more meaningful there. So how do you and in your industry continue to uh, mm. kind of get that inspiration and motivation to keep you going? Well, it's inter- I love the way you put it because I can't even imagine going into... I had lots of part-time jobs, in fact, with your wife. Yeah, Neela Steele. Yeah, Neela Steele. Steel. Ne- which I didn't give the... I, I mentioned it a bit, but yeah. Neil, Denise was uh, Neela's uh, maid of honor. Yes, yes. She had her wedding in 1999. I've done many jobs. <laughs> yeah. So I've had many part-time jobs growing up. Movie theaters and retail, and you're counting the hours down. You're like, oh my God, my feet hurt. Um, I never... Once I'm looking at the hours and I'm watching the clock and I'm looking for the Christmas holiday, I don't want to do this anymore. It's over. Then I then yeah. I'm gonna look for something else. Yeah. But because um, my industry's changed a lot and I've never felt like I've hit the pinnacle because I don't think you ever do. Like yeah. when I read about the people I look up to, they never feel like they do. Um, you just don't feel like. You're not. You're just not counting the hours because you could always be better. Could yeah. I have always written that better? Because I could I have been more persuasive. Could I have made that more entertaining? I could I've. There's always someone better than you, right? Isn't yeah. there always someone always. better? Or and I don't mean better better person. I mean like there's always someone who's figured it out a little bit more, and then somebody you want to figure it out. Strive for yeah. Somebody t- there's always same level of excellence or whatever it is. Yeah, right? people have said to me. Um, well, you made it, and I'm like, I don't, I never, I never feel like that. Yeah. And that keeps me going. And, and like, you've done some amazing things. So, mm-hmm. when we look at it and I'll attach in the show notes mm-hmm. some some great ads that mm-hmm. you've done. Mm-hmm. But you've been at it, like you said, for 20 years, yeah. and, you, and you, you've found your way and yep. throughout the journey a whole bit. Yeah. Everything is about creativity. Yes. And as a teacher and an educator, everything is about creativity. Yeah. And and tapping into your creative talents and and inspiring students, inspiring students to be their best. Yes. Right? Ah, yeah, that's so, very similar to what I do. So how do you continually A mm-hmm. motivate yourself every day, mm-hmm. but B also create content mm-hmm. That um, not appeases, but yeah. kind of like uh, satisfies the yeah. people that have hired you to create that content. So I guess there's three things. I don't know if you feel this too, Andy. I don't feel now that I found what I want to do. I don't feel like I need to motivate myself. So you think you're there? Like in terms of that, you're motivated to do it. I wake up every morning not like oh, I gotta go in there. I just I feel super motivated. That's good. Which I can't say about everything I do. I'm just saying, like, I feel super motivated. Yeah. The you were talking about your students, and I have to, I, what I have, and maybe I'll explain it to the people who are listening. Is, um, and it's very similar to Mad Men. If you watch it, yeah. you as a creative director, you have teams. So you have an art director and copywriter. They still work in teams. It was invented a long time ago, but it's, you think on your own. But you okay, also can have you tell us again for those listening? Who, yeah. Who's the Dan? Who's the uh, the Mad Men. So Peggy would be like the writer. I would be like Don Draper. Oh, Don Draper. Not Don as handsome. Draper. Yeah. And then like Peggy was the writer and then she always had an art director. Yeah. And so everyone still works in very traditional teams of copyright and art director. Um, so you write and you kind of... Um, come together with the story. You come you together with the, the story. You and the pictures. And you, um, for me, I used to just be the writer, not just be the writer. I mean, it's a super important job, but I would write, and it's a very um, insular, very introverted job. But as a creative director, you have to change, and then now you have to motivate the the teams to bring you the work that you want, much like you probably motivate the students to get the 
you want them to be the best that you can be. You also, I think if you're a good leader, you also want them to have the opportunities you had. Yes. The people who inspired you, you want to be like them. And you want to give your teams the opportunity to shine. Like, you want them to feel like, I love working here. I love working for her. Yeah, for sure. But it's not necessarily about just telling them the work's good because that's actually not going to protect them. And it's not going to make them better either. It's not going to make them better. And in fact, if I just tell them their work's good, they're not going to get out of their jobs. They're not going to be protected. Yeah. They won't have a long career. But so it's this constant battle of how do I inspire them and get them. You want them to like you, but you can't do that. Yeah. It's about inspiring them um, and finding ways to motivate them. But what I find really interesting, and maybe this is contrary to what books tell us and everything, the people who want to be really good have an inner motivation already. But how do they get that? That's 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 the key. So you say when you say yeah, that's such a I don't question. need to be motivated every anymore. Day not I, in this. Yes. Not because you've found what you love doing. Yeah. And the teachers listening to this, many of them have found what they're what they love. What they love. Yeah. But some of them are in question. Is this what I want to do? Ah, so yeah. those those people in that position, whether it be in advertising yeah. and copywriting, yep. like you do, yep. or education, those people wait right there. What can you give? You know, what for people kind struggling of with their you, motivation, what can you give? You know, what kind of advice can you give? Well, to it's, them? can I go off my job for Absolutely, a second? Absolutely, please. So I'm not the most. Um, I've never been the most athletic or um, person. So. But I know how important it is, and just like for your life, for your like wanting to hang out with your children, and for your relationship and everything. I think it's just good to be physically, active. physically. And I think it's really important. Yes. And in fact, when I look at the top people, like my New York office, and I meet those guys that run the whole global thing, they're super in shape. They meditate, like. Yeah. And so I, to motivate myself for things that I'm not naturally motivated towards, I. I just I think I've changed my attitude towards how positive it is. Yeah. So I don't necessarily want to wake up and work out. But the but it's changing it too. I actually want to wake up and work out. Changes because it changes your brain chemistry. I think it changes my brain chemistry. It makes me I naturally want to do advertising. I mean yeah. there's hard days, bad days. Yeah. Um and I question if I want to do it sometimes. You always have those burnout periods. But for working out and staying healthy, it's more about changing my mind yeah. to not, do I want to work out too? No, yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. And so in that, I think that's what I've, I've said many times in the podcast before is that idea of there are days like today in particular, I woke up, I was yeah. at Wonderland yeah. yesterday in Canada and yeah. in Toronto and it's a crazy around, theme park yeah, for walked everybody. Walked around the whole day, and I woke up today really tired yeah. mentally yes. and physically. Yes. After taking the kids around all day, and aware. I woke up, but I knew waking up. It was about six a.m. when I woke up, That's and I knew morning. I knew waking up that I was like laying there and like mm. feeling very heavy and tired. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I knew the longer that I do that, the yep, longer the it's it going to take. Yeah for me to get on with my day yeah. so I got up and I I intended on going for an 8 kilometer run Yeah, and all I could manage was like a 20 minute kind of slow jog around yeah. Neela's mom's place and that was enough to just kind of light me up a bit yeah. and then I got on with yeah. my day Yeah. so I felt dissatisfied yeah. with what I had, had done but also kind keeping of proud just keeping the momentum and yeah. doing step by step and those little things so what role does I, that play in your life well I like what you just said about momentum I, I actually think can I focus on that word please momentum is one of the most important words to me yeah. as a creative director and in fact I'll even this might sound terrible but I'll share with people I manufacture momentum so how do you man- manufacture so, momentum? I like this. In our industry, it's very important for you to win awards. As yes. a creative person, that's your thing. You have to constantly be winning awards. I know if we've had not the best award year, um, I could come in and be really hard. Like, we haven't had the best award year. Yeah. But at some point, 
I decided not to do that. And I was more focusing on the awards. We have won and how we have momentum. Guys, Yeah. we just won five whatever can lines or we won five Cleos. We are on a roll here. So tell tell everybody just to yes. Time oh, so out okay, here. sorry so everybody. Me, I'm so used to my so, industry. So you're you're talking Cannes um, Festival. Cannes Festival is like the worldwide global festival of like winning. Um, the, the whole advertising business is part um, is there's a sense of creativity, but there's a sense of business, and so it's doing the best for our clients, but also they've proven that award-winning work or work that wins awards is 10 times more effective on a business um, scale. Uh, so what we're pressured to do as creative directors, not presidents, is to, uh, is to uh, show our creativity and, and win awards, right? It's very difficult to win a can line, 2%. Your chances of winning are 2%, but we it's a mandate. We have to do it. So... I have to create an environment where people feel comfortable to try things, to, to do the most creative work they can do. One way is to like, guys, we have to do the most creative thing we can do. Or this is another, top heavy. Top heavy. Yeah. But another way is like, oh my God, guys, this is an amazing piece we've done here, but what else can we do? Yeah. So I've, I've shifted and I've learned in this role, because you're, I always, maybe I'm wrong, but I, uh, it's it's a role that's not natural. So you go from a writer to very selfish to yeah. a role that's now inspiring others. And so I think momentum for me is one of the most important things because instead of saying, guys, we only won one this year, which is all we won this year actually in Cannes was one, which was, it was we had a 2% chance of doing that, but... You got it. We got it, but I still would like to do better. But instead I'm like, guys, we got one. Next year, let's get more. Like, we got it. We know how to do this. Versus, we only got one. I yeah. really... And then I, I, I put it on top of each other. It's, it's a like, change of language. It's a change of language. Yeah. So it's like, guys, we got one. We can do more. And guess what else we got? We also won here. And guess what else we did? We just won that piece of business. We're yeah. on fire. We're the best creative department in this country. Yeah. You guys are the best. I and, love that. How, I want them to feel amazing. So how do you... I want to nurture that. Uh, yeah, and that's the thing about... Maybe it's wrong, Andy. I don't no, know. No, I think it's very right, but I think it's that idea of, of the teacher-teacher relationship and the teacher-student mm-hmm. relationship. Mm-hmm. And imagine uh, yourself working with your with your mm. teams. Yeah. Um, and then trying to impact the client. Yeah. And these teachers are trying to impact the students. But just continuing to inspire your teachers to reach beyond their comfort zone Mm -hmm. so in your industry so my industry is education Mm -hmm. so i've got to like kind of grasp onto whatever i can to learn as much as i can but how do you reach beyond your industry yeah for inspiration so yes what are your sources of inspiration and insight from beyond your industry so where do you get your ideas and Everything that you do. Five places. Okay. I don't know if it's the same for you guys. I'm inspired by... I'm actually inspired by my stars in my department. So actually within so the people... So performers. My performers. Yeah. I see them relentless. And this is the word I use for my department, which is... I'm always like, be relentless, guys. Be relentless. Yeah. And then I see them do it. More than I even expected. So yeah. I'm inspired by them. Okay. Um, I'm inspired... So that's... That's the type of people I'm inspired by. And then outside my industry, it's, um, I'm constantly, in my industry, it's really important to look for what cultural context. Like, what's going on? I remember being inspired by, I don't know if you remember this, Andy. Do you remember there were the, I don't know if you saw it, the, the refugees from Syria? Do you remember? Yeah. Well, and there was a little boy yeah. wearing, he made a homemade messy shirt. I think out I saw that. Out of a plastic yes. bag, yeah. and I was like, oh "My God, yeah. this this little guy has hopes. And he's yeah. like a refugee right now, but he's making his own. He has this hero that was yeah. really inspiring to me. Um, I look for human stories because for me, the most important part of storytelling is empathy yeah. and understanding people's lives and struggles and joys. So. Yeah constantly looking around at people's lives talking to you and Neela and listening like really listening to people's stories really inspires me and then books and movies 
So what are your go-to if if you could? Oh. If you could, okay. So yeah. I've got I've got a question which is twofold here, mm. but if you could give anybody a Christmas stocking gift that consists of two books yeah. and two DVDs. Oh my God, okay. Andy, good question. So which two books would you give and which two DVDs would you give, even though we don't won't really watch DVDs anymore? Yeah. But which, which two movies <laughs> would you recommend? I wouldn't give them a DVD. So two books and take your time. Silence is very cherished on this podcast. I love what I read to my boys when I was pregnant with them, and it was a very difficult pregnancy, so I, I don't want to get super personal, but it was tough, and I was on bed rest. I remember that story. Yes, yeah. and I read to them. I have twin boys, just so you know, and I was told... Dante and Jude. Dante and Jude, and I was told at 20 weeks that they're going to be born premature, and they probably won't walk and yeah. everything. They're fine. They're everything's okay. They're great. They're running outside. They're running outside. Yeah. Right now. <laughs> I read to them the whole time when I was in the womb, and I don't know why I picked this book. I read The Old Man in the Sea. Oh, Hemingway. Hemingway. Yeah. And um, it's a very male book, so it's interesting I picked that. But it's a it's a beautiful book of tenacity and patience and perseverance Typical and love. Typical Hemingway. Typical Hemingway yeah. and um, passion and yeah. uh, it was short. But yes. it, it said... 120 every, pages. 100, is it 100? And yeah, I read it to them like now. Yeah. I started the chapters to them again. Um, that's a great one. I love that one. Okay, so that's book number one. Book number two? A book from my childhood called The Selfish Giant. Do you remember? It's by no. Oscar Wilde. It's a, it's, it's a children's book. Oscar Wilde, the musician? Oscar Wilde, writer. 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 Okay. And... Um, I don't know why that one comes to mind because I wouldn't normally think that, but it stayed with me from, from childhood and it was about a giant who, um, hopefully I have the name right actually. That's okay. He had a garden and he would not let children play in it. And, um, and then he kicked all the children out and then the garden turned into winter until the children came back. And then spring. And then spring came. came. And it was really... I don't know, even know why I picked that one. I'm sure... I'm a big reader, and I can never decide what book. Okay, two Little movies. Little Women, I'll go on and on. Two movies. Two movies. Two movies. This is really hard, Andy, when you have to narrow stuff down. I know, it's, it's down. good though. I'll just throw one out there as you're thinking. Yeah, I'll throw one out. I'll Shawshank you... Redemption. I like. I love, I love Shawshank that movie. Redemption. I love Morgan that movie. Freeman narrative. Can't go wrong. He's the voiceover for our Visa commercials, by the way. Just so you know, I've got to meet many. Did you meet Morgan? I met. I didn't meet him. I got to work with Donald Sutherland, though, which was a good one. Ordinary People. Okay, the mo- the movie that affected me the most. Yes. I saw it way too young. Was one who flew over the cuckoo's nest. Very oh, dark Jack, movie. Jack. Yeah, very dark movie. Yeah. But I wouldn't put that in my stocking to give to somebody. <laughs> Oh, um, Cinema Paradiso. I, the oh, Italian yeah, of movie? course. Of it's just course, so beautiful, yeah, with the, nostalgic. The man and his son or yes. whatever, yeah. I like... Give I, people a background into that. It was an Italian movie. It um, won an Oscar. It won an Oscar. Did it win an Oscar? I thought it did, yeah. Maybe it didn't. I don't know. It might have won for... It probably won for four. It was like 92 or 93. Yeah. It was just beautiful. It was just a love of cinema. It was nostalgia. I love that Italian movie show, a whole lifespan that goes by. Um, I love nostalgia. I hate nostalgia, and I love nostalgia. Yeah. And I've tried to do nostalgia in my ads. Does it work? Well, the Gordie Howe spot, you and I talked about the hockey spot. Okay, so we're going to time out here? Yeah. And let's return back to... um, the sport world, so yes. every, everybody, any hockey player in the history of the world mm-hmm. will hopefully know of Gordie Howe, but go ahead and tell them about go, that. Gordie Howe, so I was asked to work on, this is weird actually, I was asked to work on a hockey spot, and being a Canadian... When you say spot, that's like an A ad. commercial, sorry. Yeah, okay. And uh, I never had seen a hockey game in my life. Yes. Which is weird, because my grandfather actually built Maple Leaf Gardens, which is our... Which is our big hockey arena I never knew or was that. yes he did your grandpa did yes my no no Italian your no no yeah what did no 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 he was do? like brick no no made the pasta yeah. so um I was asked to work on a hockey commercial I'm like yeah okay and 
never seeing a hockey game. And in the spot's about a little boy. Well, you actually see an old man with a very dirty hand. So he's in a retirement home and his hand's dirty. And then you see him at a retirement party and his hand's dirty. And you see him getting married and his hand's dirty. And you're going through time and you're seeing him teach a little boy how to ride a bike and his hand's dirty. You see him getting married and his hand's dirty. And you see him as a little boy and his hand's dirty. He's learning how to swim, his hand's dirty. And finally you reveal that the reason why his hand is dirty is that a long time ago when he was really little, he got to shake Gordy Howe's hand. I never wanted to, sh- to And he never it. wanted to wash his hand. <laughs> yeah. And because there's that expression, I'm never gonna wash my yeah. hand again. And so he didn't because he met Gordy Howe. And I had never seen a hockey game, but because I love like Italian movies and um, yeah. because I think I have some form of empathy, I understand hero worship and fan worship and how if you met your biggest um, hero, you would be like, I never want to wash my hand again. So that was taken from other things. Yeah. Um, I also really, really like Woody Allen movies. Yeah. Um, and I remember doing a commercial for Bell Express View where it was about a guy who wasn't in focus, which came from Deconstructing Harry. So you're constantly influenced yeah. by these other places, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. This might be a nice little segue mm-hmm. into uh the because in your industry and in my industry it's it's all about ideas mm-hmm. right and kind of creating opportunities or creating these experiences for in my case students that are wonderful yeah but also you have to get your ideas from someplace so yeah. there's a fine balance between creativity innovation and copying yeah mm-hmm. so there is a clip that I want you to listen to, and mm-hmm. I'll play it right now. Mm-hmm. But it's from the TED Radio Hour. I played it several weeks back on a on a previous podcast about um, kind of where we get our inspiration from, and to what extent do we copy, mm-hmm. and to what extent do we create. And uh, I played it with my uh, on my podcast with Joey Fight from Montreal. Mm-hmm. I told you about Joey, mm-hmm. so. This is, this is a two-minute clip um, all about where we get our ideas from. And in your industry, it's all about um, creating ideas. Mm-hmm. So really, you can sit at a desk in an empty room mm-hmm. and just think. Yeah. Or you can seek inspiration. Yeah. And then you find your inspiration. But if we return back to modern day, actually modern moment... Mm-hmm. Trump's wife copied Obama's wife's yep. speech mm-hmm. and threw it out there as her own. Yep. And the Republicans are saying... I love that they she, clapped for it, though. Yeah, yeah they clapped yeah. for it. But the Trump's administrative team is saying, like, we can't even um, believe that you would think that we would copy this. But it's so obvious. Yeah. So the media is saying, just admit it and yeah. say, you got your inspiration from yeah. someplace. This clip is all about that. Yeah. About respecting where you get your ideas from. Yeah. There's a little bit of background noise here because Denise's children and, and don't my understand children. And, they and, don't respect our podcast. I, I, of course not, but they're just washing their hands and eating pizza. Pizza. But that's okay. So I'm gonna play okay. I'm gonna play the clip right now. Yes. And and you're gonna listen to it and what yeah. you're what you're gonna do is Okay, no, no, you can come in. Come here. Hang on. It's okay. Come here. Come here. It's okay. It's one of those. Before the, uh, I play the clip, though, uh, this podcast or this, this little audio clip is from the TED Radio Hour, and it's all about um, the idea of creativity and innovation. And you can find TED Radio Hour on Twitter at TED Radio or um, looking at the host of the show, Guy Raz. He can be found on Twitter at G-U-Y-R-A-Z. So uh, I'd like to thank Ted Radio Hour for letting me use these clips, but I'm going to play the clip right now for Denise, and then after I'm done playing the clip, Denise, you're going to talk about what resonates Mm -hmm. in regards to creativity and innovation with you. And the other thing about sampling something to such an extent that it becomes something new. See, 30 years ago, you had the first digital samplers, and they changed everything overnight. All of a sudden, artists could sample from anything and everything that came before them, from 
a snare drum for the funky meters for a Ron Carter bass line, you know, the theme to The Price is Right. Albums like De La Soul's Three Feet High Rising and the Beastie Boys' Paul's Boutique mm. looted from decades of recorded music to create these uh, sonic laying masterpieces that were basically the Sgt. Peppers of their day. But the thing is, they were sampling those records because they heard something in that music that spoke to them that they instantly wanted to inject themselves into the narrative of that music. They heard it, they wanted to be a part of it, all of a sudden they found themselves in possession of the technology to do so. Not much unlike the way the Delta Blues struck a chord with the Stones and the Beatles and Clapton, and they so felt great. the need to co-op that music for the tools of their day. You know, in music, we mm-hmm. take something that we love and we build yeah, on I it. Love that. That's just how it goes. So the idea here is that a lot of songs come from other songs. And of course, this is not just true for music, it's the same for film or novels or technology, pretty much every idea out there. Like, we sort of celebrate things that seem original, but like, what is original? Well, what's the quote, which is the T.S. Eliot quote, isn't it? Which apparently he even stole from Picasso about, you know, genius steals great artists. Uh, uh, good artists borrow or copy, great artists steal, yes. something like that. We all, whether we steal or we borrow, it's impossible, even if you're telling yourself you're not saying subconsciously you are influenced whether you like it or not. So, in your industry and my industry, it's all about creativity and innovation and inspiring and motivating. So, please tell me where you get your inspiration and motivation from. Well, I just, I love this clip because this is very um, relevant to my industry. Because if you, there's so many layers to it. If you, if you, it ripped something off, as we call it, like that's the worst. So if yes. you're known to have ripped something off. Um, like Trump's wife. Yeah, it's bad. Because yeah. it's just, it's bad. At the same time, though, um, certain ads have been so inspiring. And so, uh, Andy, we we're talking about Nike ads, and they're just, they're the best. And they've inspired us to look at advertising a different way. Like, maybe you don't have to do a funny story. Maybe you can do an authentic story. So there's... Which is exactly what he's talking about too. Is that there is this, there's a line between inspiration that yeah. pushes you to the next level. Like yeah. I never thought of doing it that way. Yeah. So um, I love that. Like when you see an ad where you're like, I never thought of doing it. That opens up the world to me. Versus I'm going to do that exact same ad. Yeah. And then there's a whole other world where you do an ad, and then somewhere in the world now that we're all open to the internet and everything, we're uh, what do we call it in our industry? Uh, forget what we call it. Um, where you do an ad, and at the exact same time, a person's doing an ad, and it comes out, and it's the exact same. Yeah. But you didn't know about their ad, and they yeah. didn't know about your ad. It's just happened to ha- happen, and I, yeah. we call that something, and we hate when that happens because you want to be fresh and unique. Yeah. Um, and then there's imitation is the highest form of flattery. When you do do an ad and then you notice a lot of people are doing the same type of technique or same type of thing, you go, yeah, I think we, we hit on something. But do you ever notice, even with children, I noticed this with my own sons. Um, I was on a hike with Jude the other day. This is why I think it must be innate and it's actually complimentary. We were on a hike and he started telling me this story about how he... Um, before I became his mom, he had looked down on me and he chose me to be his Ooh, mom. Ooh, that's then, interesting. It's interesting, except we're, a couple nights later, we're reading, I think, Diary of a Wimpy Kid. And it was in there. <laughs> and I'm like, hmm, this seems very familiar. And I notice with him, he reads things that he wishes so badly he thought of. Yeah. And isn't that interesting when you, you're like, ah, oh, that's so creative, that's so interesting, I wish I thought of that. Yeah. And even in advertising, when we judge each other's work, we're more. Our, our one of our criteria was, I wish I had done that. So the so success criteria is, is, I wish I had done that. I wish I had done that. And then you give yourself a rating. Yeah. On that. So for instance, um, I was in Cannes last year on a jury. So everyone from around the world, France and England, and 
we all look at the work. My category happened to be health, so I looked at all the health advertising from around the world. And yeah, one of the criteria is when we looked at work and we actually felt that sinking feeling um, of, oh God, why didn't I think of that? And yeah. then you go back, but you go back inspired, go, because now you're like, I want to think of something like that. Which goes back to empathy and compassion and oh, putting so yourselves. Important. You've heard of the design thinking movement. No. You've heard of the design no. thinking. So design thinking is all using this cycle of creativity and innovation, which is all kind of um, all revolves around the idea of empathy and compassion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you will get uh, kids using this cycle. So teachers who embrace design thinking. Mm-hmm will bring their kids out to the school playground and then they will get the kids to look at what's not working so it might be identifying that the birds have no birdhouses on a very basic level so then the kids will there's lots of birds okay well where are they getting their food yeah and there's no nothing where they can get their food so, well, how can birds get their food? Well, we have to design a house or we have to create yeah. a house and a home for them. So it's identifying a root cause yeah. and then designing a product mm-hmm. which will meet that need. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, great. that's very much what my movement is mm-hmm. in education is all about empathy and compassion mm-hmm. and designing that product mm-hmm. that will meet the need of, of the student. Yeah but is not about the product it's about the process of getting there mm-hmm. so, it's about the thinking that gets you there yes okay That's so cool. so how is your because you've got to produce a product mm-hmm. teachers have to produce a product mm-hmm. so how do you balance the process of getting there which based on science and evidence mm-hmm. is way more important than yeah. the product itself yeah, yeah. So how do you how do you balance process and product in your industry? I think it's a bit of a, a um, we hit on it. It's empathy. Just the other day, a team came to me with an idea um, because they're cyclists and we have a car account, and, um, and they were trying to come up with an idea where we could use something we could do with the cars to protect the cyclists on the road without giving too much away yeah because I can't Um, we're kind of trained to think of business problems and then our creative mind is supposed to take a business problem and learn how to create a narrative create a narrative or create a solution to get you to solve um, almost any business problem we're challenged with yeah is but it's interesting because part of it's intuitive but we are actually trained to go okay cyclists are getting hit too often what do we do? Which I almost saw today. Yeah, it happens. Oh my Toronto. God, Toronto is a nightmare, right? With potholes and there's a cyclist going by. And just and doors opening. And like, what yeah. if we could invent something where if you opened a door, um, we could protect cyclists from being doored. And so, uh, and we have accounts that... Do you have the statistics on the doors? I don't have the statistics on the doors, but a lot of the teams I have cycle into work and are, some of them have been hit by doors or... Yeah. Um, so... But that hasn't been given to us as a, we call them briefs, as something we're supposed to work on. Normally we're given something by a client as a, their business problem and then we have to solve it. Which is a design thinking problem. Yeah, so they, a client would come to us and say, we, uh, we don't see any birds in our parks. And yeah. then we're like, okay. And then we'd go look in their park and go, yeah, there's no, there's no birds here. Like, yeah. this is a problem. How are we going to get birds here? And then we, we will start thinking about do we need to get birds here should birds be here exactly yes why aren't there birds here yeah maybe birds are better off not here let's like so you start like looking at that problem and then you try to solve it and you may go go back to the client and you go no you know what birds aren't supposed to be here or we're going to create a way for birds to be here so if we use this as a metaphor for for teachers yes and when teachers question what it is they're teaching their students yeah. should we be teaching this oh, you know, I think so it's great. when you when you look at math you look there's the core subjects yeah. and i'm a believer obviously mm-hmm. in physical education yeah. and physical activity yeah. being at the core of everything yeah. 
that a student experiences yeah. because we need to move. Yeah. But if you just look at what we should be teaching children, uh, what the information that teachers are given is not the most accurate in terms of the most recent evidence. Mm -hmm. So t students really need certain things, mm -hmm. and that's not being reflective in what's being taught. But what you just said is very important because it's about should we be should birds be here? Yeah. Should students be learning this? Ah. So revisiting the curriculums that that students are being taught mm. by the school. So what is your okay? So in your what do you feel industry aside? What mm -hmm. do you feel are the most important things that students need to learn? I love nowadays? problem solving because if and and it. I do think it can be taught because I think we train ourselves. My creative department starts to train itself to think like that, but I think we can all think like that. We, yeah. um, every day we're sitting there thinking, this is a really difficult problem. Actually, we have a problem that's very relevant to what you do, which is we have a certain client that actually wants us to get kids moving more. Yeah. But how do we do that? How do you get people to move? Well, I'll get back to that. but. I think it'd be really interesting to start teaching people how to problem solve. Like if you look at Elon Musk, was, wasn't that problem solving going, hey, yeah. what if we had a car that didn't run on oil? Like yeah. I love, I love the idea of not just following what's always existed, but yeah. what if we solved that? What is, and I wish I did it more with my own kids versus my department. Yeah. We're trained to think like that, but I think that it would be so great if kids were trying to think like that. Can you imagine some of the things we would that do? That they would come up mm -hmm. with, right? Yeah. Can I just say, like, at Cannes one year, Bill Clinton... Cannes is where it's the big advertising festival. Yeah. And we always have really big speakers. They come in and they talk to us and try to... That's like Cannes. Cannes. It's like the Cannes Film Festival, but there's a Cannes advertising In or, France. Yes, but it's yes. called the Cannes Festival of Creativity. Okay. And so, two years ago, Bill Clinton came and he spoke. And I didn't get to see him, but I was there. And his whole premise was, you guys are really great at problem solving and like selling your products. Imagine using that innovation and problem solving for a world issue. And I thought, yeah, that would be amazing. Yes. And the younger you teach people, I think the better because they have more, they're not restricted by, oh, you can't do that. Yeah. You can't do that. Um, well, it's that whole idea of just the blank slate, right? And yeah, just put your ideas down. Yeah, interesting ways at things. And that idea of you throw every single idea down. Mm -hmm. So if it's a teaching department, yes, planning what they're going to teach, yeah. it's almost taking. You know, it's not almost mm -hmm. taking. It's just writing every idea imaginable down. Yeah. And then saying, okay, that's not going to work. Yeah. And then sharing your ideas and throwing them down, mm -hmm. personal ideas. Yeah. yeah and then meshing everything together saying mm -hmm. we can actually make this possible so i'm going to give you just a quick snippet mm -hmm. into how i did this in physical education yeah, so cool. i was teaching track and field yeah i, I in nanjing and i had a uh, friend who who's a very good friend now who we met on social media mm -hmm. another physical education teacher from australia yeah so he got leave of absence not leave of absence he got two weeks leave to come to Nanjing to co-teach with me. Okay. So he flies to Nanjing. Yeah. Now he's going to co-teach with me. So he arrives just when I'm going to teach mm -hmm. track and field, right? So the, the whole the whole premise of the unit is is um, run, jump, throw. So I'm like, okay, I want to get the kids to understand, you know, put into perspective mm -hmm. speed, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, it's power, mm -hmm. all of these different mm -hmm. things. So I explain the unit to my friend and I say, okay, this is what I'm going to do and, mm -hmm. and I'm going to you know, show them Usain Bolt running the mm -hmm. 100 meters. And, um, it, but it wasn't enough. So, so we're kind of like thinking, how can we actually show how fast Usain Bolt is mm -hmm. so we can get kids to appreciate it? Not to scare them to say, I will never be that fast, but to get them to appreciate it. So we're like, okay. You know, we're gonna we're gonna show the kids how fast mm. Usain Bolt is. So we come up with the idea of getting the kids 
uh, to see how fast Usain Bolt uh-huh. is, which uh, I tell my buddy, I say, okay, well, how about we, we actually like, get somebody on a bicycle riding as fast as they can? Uh-huh. And then I tell my buddy, you're going to ride your you ride my mountain bike uh-huh. as fast as you can yeah. on a 100 meter, meter stretch. So he rides the bike as fast as he can, and I'm timing it, and, and he is riding 100 meters at world record speed, mm-hmm. 9.59 seconds. Amazing. So when so we decide that we are going to show all these provocations yeah. and videos and stuff, and the, which will ultimately lead to uh, showing the kids uh, the Usain Bolt world record, 9.5800 meters. Yeah. And then we show them that, and we say, how fast are the kids? And they say, well, you know, or how fast is Usain Bolt? What? And then, that's okay. And then, yeah. So we, we had a, a student also run 100 meters. At the same time? Before that, yeah. actually. And, and the student was, and we timed it. And when the student got halfway there, mm-hmm. it's like, Usain Bolt just finished. Mm-hmm. So the kids could get into perspective just how fast. But that's a really creative way yeah. of showing speed. Speed, right? And, and can then, you imagine doing it the most boring way? Yeah, and that, which is us running a hundred meters and being time. Or you just saying, yeah. Bolt. So they same. they had actually put into perspective just how fast the same yeah. Bolt was. And it they was, must have loved that. They loved it, and then they got the to race Usain yeah. Bolt in the hundred meters. So my yeah. buddy would ride around the track mm-hmm. and then he would scream go when he got to the line yeah. and the kids could put themselves anywhere along the, the side of the track that yeah. they wanted and race so some would line up at 50 meters yeah. some would line up at to 80 see their meters speed compared to Usain's to tie him yeah so we wanted yeah. to say you're gonna run as fast as Usain Bolt yeah, that's great and you can tie him and that puts these kind of things into perspective yeah. for, for kids so that's problem solving kind of so but it's, also, it's super creative way of expressing the exact same thing yes there's lots of ways of saying Usain Bolt runs this and you yes. can run it too yeah. but to actually experience it and feel it yes is, and, and it's night and day I think that's what we we tried to yeah. get across to the kids yeah. so so that, my, I, that my, idea. my big challenge, I have a challenge on my plate right now, Andy, which is so relevant to you, which is a certain client has come to us and has asked us to help us get kids moving, right? Just get kids moving. And it's such an amazing, important, difficult challenge because I don't even have access. I have to somehow create something yeah. that, that motivates one of the most difficult things which is kids are on iPads or um, kids are um, restricted about going out and so the big problem solving we have to do is figure out how do we do that yeah. it's a big problem to solve of course so, it is. but that's where creativity comes in right like how do yeah. we solve this we don't have access to talk to these people directly because you don't want it to be on a micro level no. you want it to be on a and you don't want to scare them it's all the that yeah. Usain Bolt story is exact yeah. I don't want to scare them I don't want to pressure them. I don't you want, want them to yeah. make them curious yeah. and appreciate Yeah, yeah. Right. on a really big scale. Yeah. So it's the exact same thinking. Yeah. So I'm going to put you in the hot seat now. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to conclude. We're going to move towards the end of this podcast. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to put you in the hot seat yep. here, which every guest has gone through. Oh, no. Yeah? Are you ready for this? I'm ready. You are, aren't you? I'm ready. Okay. You see my intense focus. Yeah, yeah, you were thinking already, but you. But don't I don't know even know what to think about. I don't even know what to think about, but I'm like ready. So, so the, it's the, the greatest answer. lesson that your parents taught you that still impact you to this day. Oh my God, Andy! From my parents. Yeah, in general. That my parents taught me. Take your time. That impacts me to this day. It has an impact on you. Um, I don't know if they taught me this lesson, but I feel like my parents made me very ballsy. 
Good. Yeah, they made me, but like, I had, um, my dad said to me, as long as you never lie, I've got your back. And even if you're wrong, I, but as long as you're open with me, I've got your back. And something about that, I just had this extra sense of, I am, I am truthful, I am, I'm, I think I'm ballsy. Like, yeah. I think I, and I like to face any conflict because I think we can work anything out. We can work anything out as long as we communicate. I must have got that from my parents. For sure. Yeah. And to be open-minded to different perspectives. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, take it in. Listen. Yeah. Hear, hear the other perspective. And it's like, it's not failure to change your mind. It's actually success to change your mind. Absolutely. Um, but uh, I'm... I wouldn't know this till the age I am now, like, because people tell me, like, wow, you, you, you speak your mind and you're truthful and honest. And you know what? People want that. Like, they just want they need compassionate that. honesty, yeah. right? Compa yeah. Like, just compassionate. Non-judgmental. Non-judgmental. It's yeah. like, this is, so I think they taught me that and they gave me, they gave me the safety net to be yeah. who I am. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Excellent. I want to ask you that question. Wow. Can I put yeah. you in the hot seat? Yes, you can. Ah, yeah, awesome. Okay. You will, and I, I was actually given this reverse question uh, many podcasts ago, and I think it was the idea that uh, it was what my dad didn't say than what mm -hmm. he actually said, yeah. because my dad was very introverted, Yeah. and I always thought that my, my father was... Um, kind of a loner in mm. his old age yeah. he you know living so alone yeah. and yeah. you gotta and I was getting upset like you gotta mm. reach out to my boys and yeah. and you gotta reach out yeah. and I realized afterwards and I thought to myself and I said to my sister that dad must be really lonely and mm. she thought the same thing mm. over the years dad must be really lonely he's not reaching out at all mm. And after he died, mm -hmm. we went to his apartment, mm -hmm. and we were clearing out his apartment, mm -hmm. and we found all these boxes mm -hmm. of journals. Mm -hmm. And we, I opened up a box, mm -hmm. and I found all these journals, mm -hmm. and I opened them up, and they were handwritten Blue Jay stats. Oh, man. My dad and then I realized, I realized that my dad had listened to every single Toronto Blue Jay game on radio for like 15 years and he wrote the stats down that's amazing so there's a box that. for that and then I go to another box and it's like Oscar awards you know the Oscars yeah. and he hand, had handwritten mm -hmm. all these mm -hmm. journals mm -hmm. so I think the greatest lesson I had ever learned from my dad was that I perceived my dad as being one person when in actuality I misjudged him completely and he was happy and quiet and learning his whole that. life and I wish I could go back and say dad I wish you would have told me that you were yes. doing all these things mm -hmm. but but you didn't so my the greatest lesson I've learned from my parents is it's okay to be whatever you are mm -hmm. and just love it you See, know that story inspires me creatively because it's like that's the side of people we don't know, but that's like, wow. Yeah. It makes me go, oh my God. Yeah. To our dads, Andy. Yes. To our dads. To our dads. So we're going to conclude this series. Thank you very Thank much, you, Denise. Andy. We're at 84 Montrose, Montrose Avenue. Avenue in Toronto, Ontario. Thank you very much. It was a very interesting mm. conversation that if you dig deep, you will find lots of meaning with because it's all about digging deep into what inspires you mm -hmm. and where you get your um, insight and inspiration. Mm -hmm. So I hope to do it again next summer with you. Yeah, yeah for sure. Let's see if we change. Okay. Um, any ads that people can can watch um, present, present day? And or you YouTube, and I were talking anything? about, I'd love everyone to um, YouTube the new Paralympics ad. Um, it's on channel four. Are you adding that, Andy, somewhere? Mm. It's an amazing ad. Is that the God. UK one? The UK Paralympics, yeah. Yeah. channel four. Um, That's awesome. Like, I uh, do yes. Frank Sinatra, the one? Yes. The, yes. It's amazing. Yes. Fantastic. Yeah. We also just finished a Paralympics ad by a totally different concept, much lower budget, which was, which I love, which is 
we created um, like a P90, P90X, yes. that workout series, but of Paralympians. Oh, Can nice. you actually do a Paralympian workout? So a lot of times people think Paralympic Paralympians aren't as tough. I would argue they're tougher. Oh, they are. And um, we have we created a, an entire workout series that is the Paralympian workout series. And people can find that at at that would be Paralympics.ca okay. or Paratuff Paratuff.ca. Paratuff. So that's the Canadian like version. T U F F or T O U G H. And see if you can follow along. Okay. So that would be amazing. There's so many great ads. Any Nike ad you look at is very inspiring. Okay. Adidas, yeah. Okay, and people can't find you on Twitter because you're not I'm on not Twitter? I'm not on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. Um, can people find LinkedIn. you on Instagram? People you... can find me on Instagram. I'm Denise R. Rosetto. Yeah. Um, and, and on Instagram? Or that was Instagram. That was Instagram. I'm not on Facebook. Isn't that terrible? Okay. Um, if you put my name in, something should come no up. Fun. Interviews okay. and things, yeah. Thank Hopefully. you, ma'am. Thank you. Okay. I'm inspired. So we, I feel creative. We, we are signing off. Uh, thank you very much for listening, and I hope you come back to listen to future episodes. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Run Your Life podcast by Andy Bassett. To check out show notes, get some more information about Andy as well as his guests, head to our website, 21clradio.com.